Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Diana Allen is my guest today for Song of the Soul. Diana was unchurched growing up, but has found deep connection in spiritual community with room for her very wide horizons among Unitarian Universalists. Recent years have led her to an extremely fulfilling entry into engagement with Native American wisdom, an approach called the Medicine Way. Welcome, Diana, to Song of the Soul. Thank you, Mark. Right at the moment, you're over in the Twin Cities, but you were an O'Clarian for a while as well. For a time, that's true. Diana, for me and for our listeners, could you give me a little idea of the peregrinations of your life, where you started out and how you got to where you are now? Okay, that's kind of a fun story. I started in New Hampshire, and shortly after graduating from college, decided to take an adventure and moved out to California and lived at Lake Tahoe and did cross-country ski teaching. While there, I met a man and married, and we moved to Seattle for a time and then decided to move closer to family. And his family was in Wisconsin and mine in New Hampshire. Because of that, from Seattle, we ended up in Minneapolis in the Twin Cities area, which wasn't quite the same as Wisconsin, and so from Minneapolis we were in Wisconsin for five years and are now back in the Twin Cities area. So you've gotten around quite a bit. You're not hesitant to go new places and do new things, right? That's very true. 
I'm just imagining that has to be part of your Song of the Soul to talk about how you travel around. What did you start out religiously? Kind of nothing. Unchurched, I think is the phrase. And what I have since found out is that that was mostly because my father, as a Unitarian, didn't have a church nearby to go to. My mother had been raised in a very strongly religious family and sort of threw both the baby out with the bathwater and didn't want to have anything to do with religion. And so we pretty much didn't do anything religiously while I was growing up. I think of you, Diana, as a very deeply religious and spiritual person. How did you get from where you were to where you are? Well, these songs that I've chosen will tell us a little bit of that story. Well, in that case, should we jump right in and start on the first one? Sure. I think that the first one represents sort of the beginnings in high school of starting to have a sense that there's more than just what we see. You're already at high school. Did you have intimations from within you that you were spiritual as a child? No. Not from within you? Not of any sort? Nope. Oh. Uh, Were you boring? (laughs) I was curious, but I was more involved with survival, or what was needed at that time emotionally to survive, without a sense of what, what... my spirit was really about. Hmm. So how does Steve Miller answer that need for an opening that you had in your life? With an invitation to fly like an eagle and, you know, just surrender and look forward. Knowing that you're into native wisdom these days, I don't suppose that eagle is like a totem animal for you or something? Not in specific, but it's one of many that speak to me in special ways. So how old were you when Steve Miller, Fly Like an Eagle, came out and and you latched onto it? Probably about 12. What was there about flying like an eagle that appealed to you at that time? Was it a question of, you know, flying out, getting out of the nest, or just finding something different in your life. Was there something you were flying away from as well as flying to? What was this about, the flying like an eagle? Well, having a belief that there was some place else that could be flown to was important at that time, that, you know, life at home was not pleasant. So that there was hope, and this song represents that to me. Well, maybe that gives us what we need to know about this song. The song is Fly Like an Eagle. It's by the Steve Miller Band. And it's the launching point for Diana Allen's Song of the Soul. Slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Time keeps on slipping. 
That was Fly Like an Eagle by the Steve Miller Band, and it was Diana Allen's first song in her Song of the Soul. Diana, in addition to listening to music at the age of 12, were you playing music at that time? I, I did. That's, uh, that's a nice point to bring up now, because that comes into play later on in the, the songs I've picked out. But um, yeah, at about that time, I was playing the piano. I started in sixth grade. And how far did you go in your musical education? Did you go all the way from Twinkle Twinkle up to advanced classical music and all that kind of stuff? Yep, I was playing, you know, Bach minuets and things like that. I played for like four or five years, and then school got more demanding, and I chose not to continue the piano. For some people, playing music, being with music, is a spiritual experience. Were you not connecting with music on that spiritual level at that time? That's true. I was not. It was more something I ought to be able to do, you know, kind of a thing. It was something that, to really a fully rounded person, you played a music instrument was sort of part of the picture. And so that was the instrument that I played. And I was adept at it enough to continue playing it for a time. But it didn't fill any holes in me to do that, or it didn't leave any holes in me to not be doing it, if that makes sense. Makes sense to me. I can understand how that could be the case. Well, let's go on to your second song. Could you tell me why Joy to the World is the next step in your progression of your song of the soul? Well, I think that kind of represents young adulthood, my favorite line has to do with throwing out the cars and the bars and the wars that speaks to the idealist part of me that was very active as a young adult and trying to find the joy in the world and to be friends with Jeremiah the bullfrog and make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. Were you friends with frogs in particular, people like Kermit? <laughs> Kermit was one of my favorite characters. I could have put the Rainbow Connection from the Muppet movie on on this list. That would have been a fun one to include. Hey, the Muppet movie has a couple of my favorite songs on it. What I'm also asking, though, is were you a nature girl at that time, or were you more of a scholastic girl? Well, both of those things. One of the big things that my family did with me as a child was doing a lot of outdoor camping, hiking, canoeing, biking, you know, almost anything that got us outside, skiing in the wintertime, that really spoke to me, and it leaves holes in me if I don't get outside a lot and connect with the world and the grass and the trees and the weather, so that is a really big part of my life, the natural world. And who better to represent the natural world than Jeremiah the Bullfrog? Let's listen to Three Dog Night as they sing Joy to the World.
amazing song. You know, Diana, when you were talking uh, about why you like that song, you mentioned that you like the line, particularly the idealistic line, that talks about throwing away the cars and the bars and the wars. And yet, that line doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the song. The song sounds like a party-down dude type of song, and that line is kind of antithetical to that. How did you relate to the party culture of the time, probably, that you were exposed to as a teenager? You know, I just never connected with it. You know, there are aspects of my childhood that made the whole alcohol scene just not something that I wanted to be involved with, and the intellectual side of me was strong enough that it was kind of like the peer pressure wasn't a significant influence on me also, so it was kind of like what I needed was stronger than what other people, at least in terms of partying, than what other people wanted me to be doing. That line about throwing out the cars and the bars and the wars, I connect that with a certain liberal way of thinking, getting rid of the cars for environmental reasons and the wars, and then the bars, I'm not sure that kind of crosses several boundaries. Did you grow up in a family where the liberal culture was particularly pronounced? Was your family of origin very liberal tilted? The beliefs were definitely progressive, you know, but they were a quiet part of the values. They weren't expressed in a hippie way. They were just expressed in a, this is what makes sense kind of a way. Did any of this music lead you to start connecting with people in a religious or a spiritual way? Well, the next song that we picked out kind of speaks about that. As a married woman with a young family, we started thinking about trying to get our children to have some kind of religious upbringing, and at that time we joined a Unitarian church. It was in the Unitarian church that I first started connecting with people spiritually and understanding that there was a way to talk about this with other people. Was the Unitarian Church the first kind of church that you tried out? Certainly, Unitarians are a minor part of the religious landscape in terms of numbers or presence. So, did you check out some other churches, or did you just jump right to Unitarian Church because you had some recollection or knowledge that your father had been Unitarian along the way? Well, you know, it's sort of get out the yellow pages and look through it and think... You know, I was not consciously aware at the time we were looking at churches that there was Unitarianism in my family. And so it was more sort of looking at what are the close churches and having the Unitarian one being one of them, but also having a sense of not really connecting with some parts of the Christian story. And so thinking, you know, a Christian church would be familiar but not necessarily in line with my own beliefs, and so choosing to start with going to the Unitarian one first, because I kind of knew something about them, but I couldn't be sure what it was. So, in fact, that was the first church that I went to. I was sort of the, the point person in looking for a church for the family and connected totally with it the first day. There was a, a speaker on either spiritual humanism or humanist spiritualism, and the woman next to me spoke to me at the end of the service, and she was just leaving her. She'd been president of the church, and so that really got my attention, that a woman could be president of the church, and that they could even talk about such things as spiritual humanism and what that would be like. 
So I take it that that topic in some way resonated with you, either it was an idea of yours or a feature of you so that you would be acceptable in that church? You know, a lot of the way I move in the world has to do with, you know, intellectual curiosity and what's going on and and talking about what's going on. And so that service was addressing religion from a position of intellectual curiosity and what makes sense and not just about this is the way it is and you have to believe what we say. So this song that you picked out, how does it connect with your exposure to Unitarians and your experience with Unitarians? The song is Spirit of Life and that is a song that in some ways is somewhat of an anthem for Unitarian Universalism. The version of it here, I believe, it speaks about having roots and wings and connecting with nature and also speaks of the spirit of life, you know, which is a, another way of speaking about God for a religion that tends not to use the word God. Which evidently must have been in some way more comfortable for you. Did you actually have an aversion to using the word God yourself? Not at all. But to me, the word God was bigger than the pictures of a man with a beard who lives in the sky. And so trying to speak about what it represents in other ways, I think, is really important, was important to me, was important to me about, you know, we don't necessarily know what God is. And so, you know, people can choose to describe God in different ways and that that's okay. I'd like to listen to the music because I actually don't know this group at all. It's by Gary Smart and Friends. Are they actually Unitarians? They are Unitarians, and they put together an album of music from the Unitarian Universalist hymnal. So that's what this is from. Well, good. Let's listen here to Spirit of Life. It's by Gary Smart and Friends.
that song is from the Unitarian Universalist hymnal. It's called Spirit of Life, and it's performed here by Gary Smart and Friends. And you're listening to a Song of the Soul interview with Diana Allen. Diana's just getting in the part of her spiritual journey where she has found a spiritual connection with the group, the Unitarian Universalists. So where did you go from there, Diana? Good question, Mark. I experienced what I consider a spiritual awakening. We spoke earlier about not really being spiritually alive in the first part of my life. And in 1998, some things happened that I would previously have called coincidence, except that I knew that at the time they weren't coincidences. And it was just like, whoa, it was just a real shifting of the world for me and a real sort of, oh, there's more here. There's a lot more here. One of the experiences was after having moved from Minneapolis to Wisconsin to return to the Unitarian Church in the Minneapolis area that I had belonged to and sit in that room with all of those people and just just so know that there was something much bigger present than what the people represented. It, it like blew my socks off. It was just such uh, incredible experience to have. The next six months or so unfolded with a series of these types of experiences, and it, they just kind of continued. And one of the experiences was listening to the next song on the car radio, and to hear it being sung to me by the universe or by God, and to just know that that was how much I was loved. Well, tell me about the band and the song. It was, you know, just not something that I picked out at all. It was what was being played by the radio that day, that moment. You know, I can't even remember exactly what part of the interstate I was driving along at that time. I just heard it. I just experienced it in a totally new way. It just shifted the entire perspective of things. The band is Goo Goo Dolls. They're just, to me, that you know, it's just, just another pop band. <laughs> and I don't necessarily connect with all of their music. I, you know, I was like, oh, i got to get more of this stuff. And it was like, well, this isn't anything special, except this particular song was and is. It became part of the soundtrack for the City of Angels movie and is very touching in how it represents that story of, of an angel coming to earth, falling in love with a, a human. My experience with this story was before I'd seen that movie, but then when I saw the movie and saw the song as it was used in the context of the movie, it was like, oh, well, now that makes sense. <laughs> you know, they really are there, and they really are singing to us about how much they want to be with us. Know that you feel me somehow. You're the closest to heaven that I'll ever be, and I don't wanna go home right now. And all I could taste is this moment, and all I can breathe is your life. And sooner or later it's over. I just don't wanna. I'm 
Everything feels like the movies Yeah, you bleed just to know you're alive And I don't want to see me Cause I don't think they'd understand Well, everything's made to be broken I just want you to know Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. Diana, I didn't hear your name once during that song. How did you know that it was for you that day that you heard it driving along in your car? I I just knew. You know, it, it, there, part of what this represents is an opening up in me that there are ways that I know things that aren't intellectual, that aren't rational, that are about just experiencing the world. Are you, or were you, significantly focused towards intellect power, intellectually oriented, up until that time? Yes. You know, my upbringing, and I spoke about this a little earlier, was around what is reason. Apply reason to the world, and that's how you should know the world. An intellectual filter of does it make sense, or can you figure it out, or that's been scientifically proved. Those were the kinds of measures for what was worthwhile in the world. And so to come to a place where those measures are only one small portion of how to know and value and understand the world has been um, a big, big movement for me. I tend to think of Unitarians on the average as leaning pretty heavily towards the intellectual, the rational side, rather than leaning towards the mystical side 
of the equation. Is that your experience of the UU congregations that you've known visited? Yes, that is very, very true. And in fact, part of what then has occurred for me is somewhat of a movement away from Unitarian Universalism, not in the sense of finding another church, but finding a different theological grounding. Uh, Unitarian Universalism does not necessarily have a specific theology or worldview, but it encourages each person to develop and work with their own. And so in doing that, in developing my own, and in, 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 in allowing the experiences like hearing Ira sung to me by the universe to work with me, it took me into a place that was not mainstream Unitarian Universalist anymore. You know, Unitarian Universalism isn't mainstream, and to get beyond that into the fringes of it is <laughs> getting kind of out there. So the rest of the song sort of speak to where I've gone with this sense of the world is more than what we can know intellectually. Well, I can't wait to find out where you've been traveling. Where did you go from there? What were the next steps in your spiritual journey? From that point, one of the things that I did was to go to seminary as potentially becoming a Unitarian Universalist messenger and Unitarian Universalist minister, I should say. One of the things that I that happened... Um, another one of those coincidences that seems to me more to be more than a coincidence that happened during the time that I was in seminary was one of my seminary friends went on a trip to Hawaii as part of a seminary class, and one of the things that she brought back was an album of piano music. Now I mentioned playing the piano earlier, and I had made it a goal for myself as an adult and to play it from this new perspective of spirit and not from a mechanical perspective. When my friend brought back this album, she said, look, I met somebody named Diana Allen who plays the piano, and look, here's the CD she made. And so it was a CD full of very masterful, very spiritual piano music by someone named Diana Allen. I kind of went, oh, okay, I don't need to do that one. (laughs) That one's been done already. And it was a really interesting way to have the universe say, you know, that's a nice goal and all, but that's not quite what you're about. You don't have to learn to play the piano better in a more spiritual way. It's been done.
That was a song called Moon Goddess, and it's by an artist named Diana Allen. Diana Allen is also the name of my guest for today's Northern Spirit Radio program called Song of the Soul. I'm your host for Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet. Diana, clue us in. What happens next after Moon Goddess comes into your life and your spiritual journey? Well, I got to a point in life where seminary wasn't working out and family needs were taking me in a different direction. At that same time, a friend of mine spoke to me about a medicine wheel training that she was doing. And the words were not out of her mouth before this little, "Ah, I need to do that, was coming out of me. It was like this instant knowing that that was my next step. That was the next thing that I needed to be working with and I was able to start doing that. And that was called Healing the Inner Healer and was taught by a woman named White Eagle whose organization is known as Dance Hammers, dancehammers.org. The Teachings of the Delicate Lodge is the name of the bundle of wisdom, and it's an ancient earth wisdom tradition that's been passed down orally, and only in the last decade has it become... Prophecies are happening within the Native American spiritual communities that say it is now time to be sharing this wisdom that we have held so tightly to carry it through the last, you know, 150 years where it was hunted down and killed. And so that wisdom is now coming out again into the world, and this is one of the groups that are now teaching this wisdom traditions in in new ways and to new people. And I feel really... It's priceless. You know, it's just amazing what wisdom is contained within these teachings, that it goes way beyond what any one person could hope to gain in their lifetime, and yet it has been molded and crafted into this series of medicine wheels. It's all based on a circle with four to eight points on the perimeter, and then there's a series of overlays of different types of meanings and different tools and ways in which to use this wheel to understand the world and to understand what it means to be human and to understand what it means to be human in the world. And it gets quite complex and deep and rich and robust. And so that's where I have landed in terms of theology and worldview. And, you know, I don't necessarily know that I would pick the way this tradition describes death and uh, what happens after death, for instance, I I don't know that I would pick that alone, but I would pick this worldview, and I'm willing to include that piece of it in the rest of it, because the rest of it it makes so much sense to me and just resonates all the way through my body down to my toes with how I would like to understand and move in the world. You mentioned, Diana, that your teacher for this wisdom path is named White Eagle, and she's a woman. Is she actually Native American? She's actually, uh, I believe it's pronounced Metsis woman, which means of mixed blood. And part of what's happened in the Native community has been this shifting from uh, you have to be a Native person to learn this to accepting you know, people of mixed blood to learn it, and then now to anybody who is really coming forward with integrity and a true heart being able to learn this. And so one of the phrases is Indian-hearted, that people that are wanting this from their heart, whether or not they have an ethnic or culturally Native American background, 
can be embraced and can embrace these teachings. I'm kind of surprised to hear that, Diana, because I hadn't been aware of that shift myself. In fact, for the national Quaker group that I meet with yearly, there has been a kind of disturbing issue because there had been something called the Quaker Sweat Lodge that had been held for a number of years that recently we were requested by some Native Americans, in particular a leader of a clan up in the Northeast, that we not do that because of concerns about cultural appropriation. So you don't run into that same concern? It varies across tribal groups or across Native American communities. And also, I think I want to make a difference between being willing to embrace and fully learn the teachings as they are without modification, which is different from saying, oh, that's a cool tool, let me fix it up so it works with where we're at. And so what I'm talking about is more about, I want to really learn to walk the way you walk. I don't want to learn pieces of it and then modify it so I can teach it to you use. So it's not about appropriation. It's not about modifying it. It's about really learning what is there to be learned and living it and following it that way. But I have heard more and more stories of elders shifting and saying, okay, it's time to let women in the sweat lodge, for instance. You know, it's time to not worry about women on their moon coming into a sweat lodge. It's time to let women lead sweat lodges. That's one example of the type of shift that is happening in many places. Well, thanks for those insights into what you've seen of Native practices. But let's not lose track of the music for your Song of the Soul. Why don't you tell us about the song, or songs, actually, that you've chosen to talk about this part of your spiritual journey? Sure. The first song is called Ancient Design, and it is the melody to a song that is taught as a very sacred learning of the basic medicine wheel concept. The basic medicine wheel is known as the 20-count, and this is sometimes spoken of as the 20-count song. It's part of that part of the bundle of teachings that must be taught in a very experiential way and that a person needs to reach a certain level of training before they can even begin to teach what they have learned. This presentation of the song is done as in a way of capturing the harmony and the, or the melody of the song without including the words and without including anything about the teaching, but sort of touching on the ancient depths of the teachings that this basic 20 count represents. Here's the song. It's called Ancient Design, and it's by Gentle Thunder. Mm-hmm. 
while listening to that song, Diana, I had a little bit of epiphany. Remember back in your second song, which was Joy to the World, which is about Jeremiah the Bullfrog, and listening to this song, I was wondering if those frogs are relatives to the frog in your second song. Sure, we are all related, and in fact, in the Native communities, it's a relatively universal phrase to speak about all our relations, and in Lakota, it's and all our relations refers not just to animals and birds and insects, but to the stars and the planets and the universe and the sun and the earth beneath our feet, and the fact that, you know, in a very mystical way, we are connected to absolutely everything, and everything needs to be treated as if it was our mother or our brother or our little baby sister. That last song was by Gentle Thunder, but I don't know, is Gentle Thunder a person or a group of people? Gentle Thunder is a woman, and she is a member of what we speak of as our medicine family. She has studied within these traditions that I have spoken about, and has actually taken her medicine name as now her legal name. Is that taking or giving of a name something that you might be expected to do as part of your engagement with the teachings? Well, medicine names are listened for, and they're up to an individual to claim. And when I started with these teachings, I did claim a medicine name that I've used for four years now. But at this point, I've outgrown it, and a new name has been dreamed, and I am sitting with that name to see if what it is calling me to is really something that I want to do. That sounds like an intriguing and significant possible step for you. Well, let's go on to your next two songs, and I think you want me to play them in a medley, and I'll do that. But tell me first about the songs, what part they play in your spiritual growth. These two songs from Ihama are a couple of songs that I think are a little more accessible from the songs we learn as part of this medicine tradition. Ihama is the, I think it's Cherokee word for earth. It's the name of the teachers of my teachers. The White Eagles organization is called Dance Hammers, and White Eagles Teachers organization is called Ihama. And White Eagles teachers are named Rainbow Hawk and Wind Eagle. And they founded Ihama and do a lot of their teaching, have done a lot of their teaching in Europe to people that are very hungry for the native wisdom. With the help of a group in Denmark, they created an album of songs that are taught as part of this tradition. And then the next two songs that we'll play together, the first one is called Windeaho, and it's the morning bird song. And you'll really hear that in the song. So it's a song, a lighthearted song to be sung for fun and joy, and um, we often use it to connect with one another as we're ending a morning practice together as part of a ceremony. And then the second one speaks about the medicine wheel and how our journey with the medicine wheel is about spiraling into the center. And in claiming we are the dreamers and we are the weavers, it's claiming about how humans can move in and among all that we are connected to. There's so much more I could and want to ask you about that, but I think we better turn right now to the songs. The first one's called Windeaho, and the second is called Spiraling into the Center, and they're by Ihama. Windeaho. 
as I listened to Spiraling into the Center, I was recalling that you have some pretty significant history and experience with the labyrinth and the practice of that from kind of ancient Christianity. Are they related at all in terms of their energies? Yes, definitely. You know, the labyrinth is a medicine wheel. It is a circle with certain directions that are significant to the labyrinth. And the labyrinth is a metaphor for life in the same way that a medicine wheel can be a metaphor for life. And so there's definitely a connection there. You know, the labyrinth is a very visceral experience, and the medicine wheel is also a very visceral experience as well. Well, I can see our time is nearly up, but we have one more song to play. To finish off your Song of the Soul, Diana, tell us about Winter Dreaming. Winter Dreaming is one of Gentle Thunder's songs, and I just love Gentle Thunder's music as it speaks about the beauty of this medicine way and walking in the world with an open and awake spirit. And Winter Dreaming refers to the time of year that we've just ended, actually, when in this part of the world, in this northern American hemisphere, we spend those winter months doing less, more time in darkness, more time to ground ourselves and nurture what is to be rather than being active and creating, being out in the world and creating things. So this song is about what we might dream of as we're being quiet in the winter time.
part of why I chose to end with that song is that that is kind of where I am in a lot of ways spiritually is in a quieter time of letting dreams percolate and sift through my life and figure out where they're going to take me and not necessarily doing a lot of real active development but doing a lot more dreaming and inner work I'm honored, Diana, that you chose to include me as you've shared this additional steps in your Song of Your Soul. Obviously, I've been a witness to part of the steps of your spiritual journey when you lived here in Eau Claire, but it's wonderful to catch up on the further steps as you've moved forward into dream time and then beyond. Please keep me posted as you move further into your journey. All right, I will. Thank you, Mark. You've been listening to a Song of the Soul interview with Diana Allen. You can hear this program again via my website, northernspiritradio.org. And on that site, you can hear other programs, see the list of music on this programs, and find helpful information about my guests. Song of the Soul is produced by Mark Helpsmeet. If you'd like to share your Song of the Soul with the listeners of WHYS-FM Radio, please contact me via my email address, helpsmeet at usa.net. That's H-E-L-P-S-M-E-E-T at usa.net. And please join me Sundays at 11 a.m. for Song of the Soul. You can